My guest today is Justin McElroy, here to discuss his review of PlayStation 4 exclusive The Order 1886. My name is Chris Grant, and you're listening to Quality Control. Uh, hey, so, tell Chris. me about the game. This is weird, because normally you're in this seat, and I'm not in the other seat. So Right. Normally you're off doing managerial duties. Yeah. Whatever those may be. I'm Sweeping, still clear. Uh, cleaning up around here. But, uh, you know, because you're the one who reviewed the game, it, it didn't seem appropriate for you to interview yourself. So here I am. Uh, but the good news is, is I'm, I'm legitimately curious about the Order 1886. I want to know all about it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's one of the big PlayStation 4 exclusives, especially after a kind of quiet uh, year, and, and all the new gen consoles, you know, are, need software. So people, I think, are really excited about new next gen software. And and here's Sony's big effort. They showed it off when they first showed off the console. It's the first, I want to say, it's the first console game from Ready at Dawn. Uh, yeah, I think so. They had those uh, better known for PSP games, the God of War PSP games. Yeah, which were very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that, and they did a pretty good Daxter game. That's right. Serves, uh, yep. just called Daxter. Also PSP. Um, yeah, they did. Um, they did. The, they worked on the Origins Collection, which was those two PSP games on PS3. Cool. Um, yeah, so, so sort of a console game, I guess. So we've got some questions uh, from listeners um but obviously you know I, I read your review and i think it's it's fair to say you didn't love it i didn't love it chris and i was real i was really hesitant about taking this on because i think now especially that like console exclusives are super rare i mean there are not a lot of them and uh i think there's a lot of um i think a lot of hope writing on each one for fans like they desperately want to have a reason to be able to say that they bought the right console that they went the right direction you know yeah if a game is fantastic then they they are they are vindicated in their purchase of one console over uh another um and we've definitely seen some of that defensiveness already with mm-hmm. uh reports that the game uh could be finished in a very brisk relative for for games of this size and and this genre a very brisk five hours or so do you want me to address that that time because i know a lot of people are are talking about yeah i mean we Um, might as well i mean you know we can also talk about the merit of judging games by their length but but yeah i mean i think broadly speaking i'm i'm like a lot of people that if it was a fantastic mesmerizing perfect five hours that I wanted to do over and over again, I could maybe see an argument for it. Um, I personally, in my first run, the game doesn't have an in-game timer. um, And frankly, I didn't uh, time myself. I would estimate about seven hours, roughly six and a half to seven hours to, uh, to finish the game. Um, There are some, like there are some collectibles that you can pick up that are mainly these wax cylinders that have incidental stories and, soliloquies on them uh which you have to go into a menu to play which i'll never do game developers if you want to stop 
doing that right now, it would be excellent. I like when you pick them up like Bioshock style and it just starts playing. Just starts playing them. That's what you need to do. Right. That's the thing. Uh, That tech is there. That tech has been invented. Just license it from Ken. I'm sure he won't mind. Um, But they, but, but, so there are those kinds of collectibles. There are little items that you can pick up. Not really anything in the way of like side quests or any sort of branching or anything like that. I mean, replay value, unless you're like, really excited about difficulty would be pretty low i finished it in seven hours i think if you're rushing through it sure you could do five i don't i don't know that and for me like i would say seven hours feels fine to me if it's a great game like that that number doesn't turn me off at all um there's a lot of games i really enjoy that are seven hours uh you know i think the ideal though would be if it was it would be a seven hour game good enough you would instantly want to start playing it again. Like yeah. that, I think, would be, right. for me, the benchmark. If, if I finished your seven-hour game and I thought, holy crap, I got to do that again, that was so much fun, uh, then it wouldn't bother me so much. Or there, I miss so much, or I want to see how these decisions could play out a different way, whatever. I, I'm not that interested in talking about... The reason I... I think a lot of people think game reviewers who don't want to talk about length are... Um, are, are are like snooty about it or, you know it's like that's a problem for the proletariat I just want to uh, talk about the experience and right. like it's not that for me at all it's it it comes down to a question of um what you're talking about is is it worth sixty dollars and I have absolutely no way of answering that question like, right. the, the I, money I thing is tricky are you we, I mean we talked about this on polygon a lot especially in terms of like how we review games are you a billionaire then right. buy it I mean, even if sure. like buy it and don't play it, you're a billionaire. It doesn't matter. Or more accurately, or like more commonly, are you going to wait for a Steam sale when it's fifteen dollars? Right. Well, sure. PS4 game. Yeah, yeah or, you me, know like, what I'm saying, though. Yeah, I think for me, I hear five hour game, and and I'm busy. You know, I'm uh, just this morning. I finally got to the. I think I think the first big plot twist in Dragon Age Inquisition. So pretty early. Um, I just don't have that much time to play games. So five hours for a great action game is like, okay, but I probably won't spend 60 bucks on it. I'm not a millionaire. I'll wait for it to go on sale. That's, that's fine. So like the length doesn't bother me so much, but I do get why people worry about price and stuff. Cause you know, we're not all super rich. Um, the problem is though, that it's a boring seven, right. five to seven hours. Uh, so let's get to that. In your review, you talk about how you specifically felt like the game was sort of, targeting you right it's, it's ripper era london like Justin, yeah yeah Justin i love that likes, crap you know that's the one like that was the the assassin's creed i always wanted was ripper era london like victorian uh england and i i, I victorian london specifically is like yes like this area of london like that's part of the reason i like Sherlock holmes games so much because they're like right in the uh right in this wheelhouse um the yeah, so that's like I'm aesthetically, I'm like way into it. I'm, I'm, I think it, and it also looks outstanding. So I mean, like in terms of aesthetics, I'm like deeply, deeply. I was on board. It's the other stuff. It's the other stuff. Yeah. Um. So, so just to kind of recap your thoughts, uh, and correct me if I'm um, misspeaking here, but the game doesn't do a lot mechanically to justify its existence. It's a you know Gears of War like, you know, uh, stop and pop cover-based third-person shooter um you know the weapons you know even just from a a pure mechanic standpoint the weapons aren't very exciting or interesting there's a couple guns you said that are fun um but they don't show up yeah there's one cool gun that launches clouds of thermite that uh, is flammable so you like shoot this thermite 
these clouds of thermite into the air, and then there's a secondary fire mode that uh, ignites those clouds. So you kind of like dust enemies in thermite gas and then light it and they explode. There's also uh, an arc lance sort of thing that shoots electric bolts. And what's crazy about it is that if the enemy is anywhere in the reticle of the gun, uh, it will home in on them, which means that you can fire it without looking out of cover. You can just do like the blind fire thing. And it's just as effective, which is insane. That sounds it's a crazy. lot like, you know, some of like the fun guns and the secondary mechanic of the gun sounds a lot like resistance games, you know, which sort of, um, sort of like made their name by, uh, having some of those like creative applications and yeah the difference is uh, I hear that you use each of these guns I I personally saw each of these guns twice in the in the entirety of the game um, by and large you're just using much more standard um, uh, gun pistols and shotguns rifles and, and rifles and so instead of feeling like you have this arsenal right with each each one having a different sort of gameplay. Um, justification and you're kind of mixing and matching tools to suit the environment or the challenge that you have. Instead, it was really just much more like shoot whatever mm-hmm. enough times and move to the next thing. There's a pistol called the duelist, for example, that the big, the big thing about the duelist is that it shoots two bullets at, when, uh, when you fire it, which is kind of cool. Sometimes the recoil makes it so that you hit somebody in the chest and then hit them in the head with the next bullet. That's kind of neat. But like, but, I mean, by and large and like, Gears of War is like a crazy that is the last thing I expected this game to feel like judging from like all the pre-release stuff right. and the the aesthetic and the story and telling and everything like when it morphed in when it was clear it was about to be Gears of War like I that it seems very strange it's a very odd pairing so um let's jump into some questions from yeah. readers uh and listeners Wait, can I talk about one other thing yeah I want you to. uh the story is crazy the story is specifically to character motivation um you want to talk about how to lose me in a game this is it and i include this this in the review but i wanted to to articulate here for you just because it's madness uh you play a knight uh in this thing called the order which is basically a continuation of arthurian uh legend right so to be clear when you say continuation you don't mean like Abstract. It's abstractly sort of like that. No, you mean no. literally. Literally, is... they've passed down the name Sir Percival, Galahad. The like they have been passed down from from. Uh, so basic from elevator pitches. What if Knights of the Round what Table existed Knights in 1886 existed? London? Right, and had the ability to live much longer than they normally do, and also fought werewolves or lichens, as they call them in the game. So anyway. There are these rebels that are uh, plotting against what is called the uh, United India Company, which is sort of like this all-powerful corporation that actually has its own, you know, paramilitary force guarding it, sort of like a, you know, its own private mercenaries. Um, it's it, it, and it's a corporation that does all kinds of shipping, and you know, it, it's sort of a. A global powerhouse. Okay, so East India Company stand-in. Exactly, exactly, precisely. So the 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 knights uncover a plot by these rebels to launch some sort of nondescript attack on an airship controlled by the United India Company. 
And in the uh, cut scene, before uh, you try to liberate this uh, this airship, in the cutscene before that happens, your character, Galahad, asks his commanding officer, Sir Percival, uh, what are the rules of engagement? And Sir Percival says, there won't be time to distinguish between the United India Company guards and the rebels, because the rebels have gotten some uniforms from the United India Company guards. Um, so that's the justification for murdering guards that work for this company is that you're just going to be hella busy and you're not going to have time to sort them out. Now, it is worth noting that the they specifically mention that the fake uniforms do not have United India Company patches on them because you use that to distinguish later on in this same level between fake guards and real guards. So, like, yes, there is definitely a way to tell the difference between the two, and they're just wow, not. We just don't have... T- I mean, we're in a we're rush so here. busy. These bullets are going to shoot you. themselves. You know, like- we got to kill... Ev- and when we're talking about, like, vicious, like, burying a machete-sized bowie knife into a dude's chest, like, crazy. And it's like, this is a knight? This is, like, a gallant dude that is supposed to be, like, chivalrous and honorific like it's crazy it's crazy to me just shoving shoving an 1886 variant of excalibur right into somebody's eye socket it's insane yeah um but anyway uh yeah but anyway questions from people okay so bt wants uh to know or rather he says i hate when all the quote wow moments of games are stuck behind qtes that's quick time events rather than actual gameplay does the order suffer from this um there are definitely uh there are definitely um some some uh quick time events that you need to do to progress the story. The boss fights such as they are are quick time events. Um so there is a lot of the cool stuff that's put behind quick time events. The the problem that that this game I have with quick time events in this game is like it's so on rails. The whole thing is so scripted and on rails that it doesn't know what to do. It doesn't even have a vocabulary for a player that doesn't hop to and follow orders right away. By, by which I mean, there's this part where you're, you've got this thug and you're trying to get information out of him or something. So Galahad has him pressed up against a wall with one hand and has his other arm in his right hand and he's like smushing his face in the wall and you're supposed to hammer X to break his arm to get this information out of him. But if you don't hammer X, he just stands there rubbing this guy's face into the wall, like not doing it. And he will continue to do that. Like nothing will happen. Hey, uh, hey, Galahad, can you just de- like, just like pooping like, off the pot, bro? Just like, like either he- smash me in the face or let go. But this is getting awkward. It's, yeah, it's so, so, so weird. Um, yeah, I think quick time events a lot of times suffer that exact same problem because the failure state for a quick time event is that you reset the quick time event and do it again so resetting it or just not stopping it in the case of the order to your point um i don't see a lot of difference between them but i think both really raise the question of the value of quick time events like where's the actual fun it's you know it's obviously an interactive you know quote-unquote cinematic version of simon and i think I'd like to say it feels increasingly dated and anachronistic, but I don't actually think that's true. I think they're they're just as popular as they were before. Yeah. Obviously, um, Ready at Dawn has some background in the 
God of War franchise, which also is famous for having a lot of quick time led, mm-hmm. you know, cutscene sort of style boss fights and, and uh, battles. Uh, okay, so moving on. Jordan uh, asks, a lot of early buzz about the game is complimenting how rich the setting is, but I feel like it would be difficult to have really good world building in a game that has such a rigid story structure and progression. How does the game build the surrounding world and provide the player slash main characters with a place in a much larger context? It actually does a good job of, like, it, in one regard, it, it, it does a good job of not hammering uh, the details of this organization into your head. There's not, like, a boring uh, scroll at the beginning of it, uh, like, explaining everything it's saying enough. They kind of un- unspool those details as they go. Um I think more problematically, you never get anything approaching character insight for anybody in the game world whatsoever. So in terms of like the mythology, it's actually a pretty cool idea and it's a cool setup. But in terms of actual like how the characters who inhabit that world are developed, it's pretty much like not applicable. The, um, you know, I think it's like, you know, it's one of those things when, whenever you have a game like this with like the, this huge effort at world building, uh, a lot of it is so it's hard to do in a video game when there's kind of like a video game maybe isn't the best environment to do that sort of storytelling in. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that feel that way to you? I can like, I feel like I can count on one hand the number of times I've played a video game and, and had that world kind of like had the game reward that level of world building. And it tends to be, it tends to be things like RPGs. Um, that can put the time, you know, Skyrim or something. Um, but action games, you know, they're rare. And I think, you know, uh, notably here, Gears of War is an example of a game that kind of very simply set up a, a world that they, um, I think, did a great job in with the first, maybe the first two games, and then they started to fall. Like, okay, so yeah, now these guys glow and you shoot them. It starts to wear off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Side note from Jordan. What do you see this franchise doing in the future to expand on it? Uh, you know, like Gears of War point, I think at a certain point you oh, lose. So hard track. to say. I, I really, I have no, we were recording this the day before embargo and two days before it goes on sale. I have no idea if, if this will be one of those franchise, maybe other, every other critic besides me will let, love it. Maybe every other critic besides me will hate it. And the players will still uh, want to play it. Cause it's kind of a slow time and it's an exclusive, one of the few exclusives. I have no idea. Uh, in fact, it's a pretty terrifying time till you find out that how other people felt about a game, uh, and you're the only one who played it, and you got to kind of trust your own <laughs> take on it. It's this is something scary. that a lot of readers, especially readers that get very, you know, upset about a critical review, is they, oh, you guys just wanted to lowball it. Look, look how much everyone else loved it, and it's like, well, we don't know if we're lowballing it. We no, no, I would idea. always rather be the one guy who like. Like, it is a no-lose scenario to be the one guy who's like, yes. I love this, this game. Ga- this game rules. Because everybody who loved the game will rally to your side, and, and, and the people who hated the game, I, I don't know. They'll, yeah. they, they, they don't come at you as hard as people who love it and when you hate it. But, or you yeah, hear I, the, the old trope of, oh, how much did they pay you to say that? It's like, well, I mean, yeah. nothing. But sure. Um, yeah, well, we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. Uh, Thomas wants to know, would you put the Order 1886 on the same level as Uncharted Drake's Fortune. It's a single-player-only, third-person shooter focused on graphics and story. 
I think that the Uncharted does a better job. Like Uncharted actually has some stuff going on, like gameplay wise, that is is unique to that series, uh, or at least was at its inception. The the way you get around uh, in an area um, and, and locomotion and all that sort of like navigating a, a world, um, I think is very cool and specific to Uncharted. Um, there's also a level of like. Uh, like staging action set pieces Mm -hmm. in, in uncharted that is very cool and is not well represented in the order. The order is much more mundane in those terms. Uh, despite it looking great, it doesn't have a lot of like really big ideas in terms of gameplay. So the, the, and that, you know, much more, much richer characters in in uncharted and and a better sense of, of character, uh, the game character, uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely where Uncharted excelled. It was the character specifically um, uh, Drake. Like mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, and and the performance from Nolan North was was felt really new. Um, yeah. It felt very next gen back then. Uh, also, those set pieces. You know, Uncharted Two probably more than any other game in the series had these kind of crazy huge um, experiences that are just hard to forget. Uh, you know, think about the, I don't know, the train scene in Uncharted 2. Like, I can remember that now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, like, there's not, is, are there no scenes in the Order that feel that way that you can remember? The like, Order oh, this- has a scene that is a, where you're storming a Zeppelin and it's boring. That shouldn't, that shouldn't just be a misstep. That should be illegal. You should, it should be like a criminal penalty for making a boring, <laughs> shootout in a zeppelin which should be the most terrifying thing that you could possibly do i'm should still excited just yeah. thinking about the rocketeer scene right. in the zeppelin come on yeah and, and it is not it is not uh yeah it's just not good um so thomas had a bunch of questions i'm going to kind of go through them is the female character portrayed well yeah actually pretty good i think she's well-rounded um she's uh she does have a um a sort of flirtatious relationship with the lead character, um, which I don't know is kind of is kind of a little bit off the shelf. I think it would be inter- more interesting without. Uh, she'd be she'd be a more interesting person without. But uh, by and large, she's uh, independent and um, <laughs> strong and cool. I mean, I would say that that's another example where it's similar to Gears of War. Gears of War had. Uh, really strong female soldiers that weren't played up um, or, you know, put on display. Um, does it feel similar to Resistance Fall of Man? They both have unique guns set in an alternate history. So we, we talked about that a little bit. Um, yeah, just not enough. It doesn't do it enough. It, it nods to it without really committing to it. Does it do anything cool with the touchpad? Nothing. Uh, also, can I get a shout out for the best questions? Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, Steve asks... Uh, much has been made, much to the developer's chagrin about the length of the game and the build-up to release, but from what I've heard, it's also the first PS4 game to really be a showpiece for where graphics are going, what's possible in the new consoles. Is that enough? How photorealistic, or however you define beautiful or impressive graphics, does it have to be to merit the $60 price tag for 5 to 10 hours of enjoyment? Yikes. I mean, that's that's like eight different questions that you really have to answer for yourself. I will say that it is the best-looking console game I've ever seen, and it really is a... If money is no object and you just want something to show people how good your PS4 can look, like 
this would be a very good game to do it. It is it's so good that a lot of times um my character would just like be stationary for a long time in the middle of a cutscene and that's when I'd realize that like it wasn't a cutscene that like I was actually in control of what was happening. Like it looks so good. I didn't think there was any way it was being rendered in real time. Uh, it didn't even occur to me. And sometimes uh, that sounds insulting when you're like, well, if you want a showpiece for your system, then pick it up. You know, it's a, it's a pejorative because you're saying the game isn't very good, but it is good as technology. But you know, I think back to a movie that I really, I, I think I still think it's a pretty good movie, but um, when I got my first DVD surround sound system in 1997, maybe 1998, uh, Blade was like mm-hmm. the game, or the the game, the movie, um, they did a really nice job with the DVD and it was really great production value and the sound was really good. And like, I remember watching blade a lot, not because I loved the movie. It was a fun enough movie, but because it was such a great showpiece for like surround sound in a home theater for a, I don't know what mm-hmm. was I at the time? 19. Um, so, I mean, for some people, depending on what you're looking for, like that's a perfectly legitimate application. When my friends got uh, their first laser display or the surround sound, it was just Jurassic park. Mm. All day, every day, never took it out. And, well, to and, be fair, and that's that's Jurassic still Park's also <laughs> a sweet movie. But like, yeah, I mean, I think that's completely legitimate. I think that probably, and again, I don't know what your monetary situation is, but I think sixty dollars is probably more than you're going to want to pay for that. But uh, you know, if if you really want to show people, you know how, or show yourself how uh, how well the PS4 can perform, it's a fine choice. I mean, for me, I think that's exa- it's, that's it. You know, I don't think my girlfriend cares if I show her how good, uh, I almost said resistance, how the order, uh, 1886 looks, but, um, I, I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, I feel like I haven't played a current gen, uh, you know, slash next gen game that, that feels visually that much different. You know, things run a little smoother, you know, last of us looks better, um, but then there's like, you know, as an exclusive Sunset Overdrive doesn't feel new. Um, so yeah, I'm, I am interested in seeing something that looks new, even if it doesn't feel new. Um, well, I think that, that about does us. We're a little over 20 minutes here. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for, for stepping in for me, Chris. Appreciate hey, it. Thanks for joining here, me. I have a question show. for you. Are you going to like seek this game out? Like, are you, do you think you're going to like try to get it and play it? Not at 60 bucks. I'm still catching up on Q4. But by the time I have, you know, this summer, when things are going to get really quiet um, and this game is going to be cheaper, you know, 30 bucks sale, I would pick this up for 30 bucks, I think. You know, cool. even, even knowing what I'm getting into. Um, and you don't have to play the whole thing. <laughs> It's also short though, but I, I like shooters. Even if it's a dumb shooter, I, I I find that shooters are games that I enjoy turning my brain off sometimes. Right. And playing. So a bad shooter is. I almost feel like sometimes the way I enjoy shooters is a disservice to good shooters because I, <laughs> right? Because I want to turn my brain off. I want right. to have dumb entertainment. And if the game's really good, it's one of the reasons that Spec Ops: The Line was like. Uh, you're making me think. It's like, oh god, I'm just trying to ha- play the dumbest game, and that sounds right. like, like pejorative. But you know, I play different games for different reasons. So sure. I think this game definitely fits into that for me. It it probably doesn't right now. Uh, thank you, Chris, so much for hosting. Thank you for uh, you at home for listening. Uh, we are on iTunes. If you want to go to iTunes.com/slash/QualityControl, you'll find our show, and you can subscribe and. Uh, rate it there, leave us a review. That's really helpful. If you want to read more about video games, 
my full review of the Order 1886 is at polygon.com as well as a boatload of other content just waiting for you to to uh, drink it in uh we're polygon uh at polygon on twitter and uh, until the next time we have a game to talk about for chris grant i'm justin mcelroy and thank you for listening to polygon's quality control Music.